0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Treasures in heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Do not worry, this section is called. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life... And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying...
1: Yeah. Well, uh, for many people, money is a taboo topic. It's private. It's inappropriate to address it directly, except in the in the abstract, or except uh, talking about something out there. Um, This has certainly been my history and the family I grew up in. It was considered incredibly rude to talk about money, to talk about money with other people and to talk about your money or their money. And I still feel it now, you know. People ask me about my mortgage and my mortgage repayments. I kind of squirm a bit at that. Or they ask about my tax return or my giving to church. I think, oh, is that your business? Is Is that your business? And I feel awkward talking to other people about it too. Talking about your rent or your mortgage or your tax return or your giving. It feels rude. It feels presumptuous to invade that private, taboo, secret space. But there was someone who was not awkward about money at all Jesus. He spoke about money a lot he spoke about money a lot why did he speak about money a lot because our relationship with money is fundamentally a spiritual issue our relationship with money goes to the core of our identity because money really our money is just a proxy for what we value That's what money is. Our use of money shows us what we really value. Show me your bank statement and I'll show you what you care about. You know, I might say to someone, I'm really keen on mission. I really care about global mission. That's important to me. And someone looks down my bank statement and says, oh, that's interesting. You didn't give much to global mission, but you did spend a fair bit on a holiday for yourself. How much do I care about it? Or I say I love my church so much. I love my church. You know, it's it's a great place to me. And then you look at my bank statement. Oh, that's interesting. You spent a fair bit more this year on coffee at cafes than you gave to your church. What do you really love? And that's kind of funny, but it's kind of ouch too, isn't it? It's kind of oh, that bites. But Jesus goes there. Jesus goes there because these are spiritual issues. The way you spend your money tells you what you care about. Now, Jesus doesn't just do this to make us feel bad. He doesn't just say, hey, I want to make you all feel hypocritical and like you all have horrible idolatry. Uh, no, actually, what Jesus wants us to do when he gets this thing about money is show us who we're meant to be and even to show us the pathway of how we can become by his spirit, how we can become the people we're meant to be, be transformed into who we were always meant to be. Actually, our relationship with money can help us become who we're meant to be. We've been um, reading from the Sermon on the Mount just now. And uh, it sounds a little bit, when you read this passage, you might know it before, like it's kind of got lots of interesting snippets about money. Sort of here's a thought here, here's another thought here, here's a few thoughts here. But actually there's a very strong and helpful logical flow through the whole lot. They all make sense together. And it's all set up in the opening couple of verses. So what I really want to do is spend most of my time now, most of our time, just in those first couple of verses, understanding them well, Once we've understood them, we'll have a quick look at the rest and we'll see how it all falls out from there once we get those first couple of verses well, verses 19 through to 21. So let's uh, have a look. If you've got a Bible, you might like to turn that up, uh, Matthew 6, verses 19 and onwards, or on your phone or wherever you do it these days. And it starts out with this very, very practical kind of idea. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and wormen do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's key to understanding all that comes after. Now, it's kind of um, interesting, isn't it? Jesus says there is two options for where you can store up your treasures. You can store them in, on earth or in heaven. You're going to store your treasure on earth or in heaven. And that's kind of interesting and and hard to work out because when you think about storing up for yourself treasures on earth, that makes sense. That's understandable. It's tangible. It's accessible. But when you think about storing up treasures in heaven, you think that's kind of abstract. How do I do that? What does that look like? It seems that that's a hard thing to kind of even figure out how you would do it. But Jesus says that's what you should do. He says we should store our treasure in heaven. And he gives two reasons for doing it. Two reasons. The first reason is this, and it's right there. If you store up for yourself treasures on earth, it won't last. Moths will come. Vermin will come. Thieves will come. Things on earth are not safe. Things on earth can be ruined and degraded, not just moth, not just vermin, not just thieves, but just wear and tear, accidental damage, fire, flood, war. Every precious thing we own, every precious memento, every uh, lovely piece of jewellery that might have been handed down through our family, every musical instrument that we've saved up and we think is so great, every electronic device that we store all our stuff on, all of that, is unsecure. All of that is at risk of being damaged, stolen, broken, scratched, dented, lost. None of that is anything that has eternal endurance. Compared to treasures in heaven, treasures in heaven are completely safe. They're secure, they're eternal And if that's true, well, it makes sense to store your treasures in heaven rather than on earth, doesn't it? It makes sense to store your treasures where they're safe, where they're secure, where nothing can damage them and take them away. But then we still have this problem. What can we store in heaven? I can't store my brand-new $1,000 phone in heaven, can I? I I, I can't... uh, you know, buy myself a really nice posh sports car that I love and think, I want to have this for eternity. I can't keep it on earth, so I'll go and park it in heaven and then it will be stored in heaven. I'll use it when I get there. When you start thinking about that, you realise whatever treasure in heaven is, it must be different to treasure on earth. It must be different. It can't be stuff. It can't be things. It just doesn't work, does it? Heaven is a different place. And the treasures in heaven are different types of treasures. So we're not just thinking about where we store our treasures. We're thinking about what it is that we treasure. What it is that we treasure. And what are the treasures in heaven? The treasures in heaven are the deepest and most significant and important blessings to us. The treasure that we have in heaven is... The praise and the welcome of God. That's what we have stored up for us in heaven. The praise and the welcome of God. The treasure we have in heaven is that great and certain hope that on the last day when we arrive there and the books of life are opened and our name is in there and the Lord looks us in the eye and says, well done, good and faithful servant, come. That's our treasure in heaven. Ultimately, treasure in heaven... ...is the treasuring of heaven. Treasuring, treasure in heaven is the treasuring of heaven. Where God's plans and purposes and people are finally established. That's what treasure in heaven is. It's saying the greatest thing, the most precious thing to me... ...the most valuable thing are the plans, the purposes... The people of God being with him for eternity, that's what I treasure. That's what I care about. That's what's valuable to me. And so how do I store my treasure in heaven? How do I invest in that? How do I put what I care about there rather than here? Well, what we do is we invest in the things that have that eternal value, those things that will last and that will be we'll see on the other side, that will be reflected there. We invest in things like our church community. We invest in things like our relationships with each other. We invest in things like acts of mercy and love and generosity towards others, which we will see in eternity the fruit of those things will never go away. Maybe we even think about investing ourselves in the work of heaven for eternity. Maybe we even think, I'll go and study at a Bible college and get myself trained up to know the things of God in greater depth so that I'm able to help other people learn about those things. Now, you always think, yes, that's a good... Lots of people should do that. Lots of other people should do that. I'm, I, that's not for me. That's for other people. That's okay. I'm sure you've got many great reasons why it's not you. Just as a sort of little sort of side exercise, why don't you think of the three great reasons why you should not go to Bible college and train up to serve and then share them with someone else later on and see how great those reasons sound to them. <laughs> but it's also, coming back to the money question... It's also about where we invest our money. Because remember, again, our money is in some ways an extension of ourselves. It's a mark of what we value. It's a sign of what we care about. Where do we put our money? Do we put our money in those things that will last into eternity? Or do we put our money into that fancy sports car and that $1,000 phone that one day will break, that one day will end up in a scrap pile, that one day will rust or get stolen or dented or cracked? Where do we put our money? The first priority for Christians, of course, as to where we put our money, uh, should be into our local church. We should be caring for our local church. And our local church should be using our money to help all of us. To, uh, as that lovely prayer we said before said, so there's, the time comes when there's no one among us who's in need because we're all giving and sharing our resources together. But beyond the local church, there's so many things we can do with our money to invest In heaven, the things of heaven, things that will last for eternity. Of course, I'm going to say you can support your local Bible college, which we need your support to run. There's no way we could operate without the gifts of our partners. But there's many other things you can do as well. You can support missions around the world. You can support the care of the poor and the needy in our city. You can do so much to give to uh, things that will have eternal significance. So the first thing Jesus says, store up your treasure in heaven, not on earth, because in heaven things last for eternity, in earth they don't. And then as soon as we start thinking about that, we realise we're talking about different things. We're not talking about stuff. We're talking about the values, the the, uh, purposes, the priorities of eternity and putting our investment into those things that last forever. The second reason... Jesus gives us for storing up treasure in heaven and not on earth, is this quite amazing thing he says. He says, where your treasure is, there is your heart. There, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I think we often get this backwards. I think we often think where my heart is, there my treasure will be. But Jesus says, no, where your treasure is, where is your heart? You see, often we think where my heart is, there my treasure will be. So my heart is in the new Aston Martin DB8 that I see when I drive past that showroom. I think that's where my heart is. And so because I love it so much, I'm going to put my treasure there and I'm going to buy that thing. See, where my heart is, there my treasure is. But Jesus says, no, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's very interesting phrasing and very important. And and I think it's profound for us. What it means is that where you put your treasure, your heart will grow toward that thing. Where you choose to put your treasure as an act, a choice, your heart will grow towards it. Your heart will be trained towards it. Let me give you an example. Who loves copper? No one loves copper. What's that to love about copper? It's a nice colour, but who loves copper? But think about this. Say someone tells you, and by the way, this is not financial advice, but just say someone told you copper's a really good investment in the stock market. You go, oh, okay. So you drop all your money, $5,000 into copper. Great. Then what happens? Suddenly, you're someone who actually cares about copper. Suddenly you think, ooh, copper went up a bit. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, copper's down a bit. And I like that. Ooh, copper is... Yeah, suddenly my m- myself, my heart is a person who's interested in copper. My love for copper is growing. If copper doubles in value, I love copper. <laughs> Where my treasure is, there my heart will be. Where I put my money, I will care. And the amazing thing about this is... It means we can use our money to grow our heart. That, I think, is super exciting. We can start with the question, what do I want to love more? And if your answer to that question is, I want to love copper more, then go and invest in it and you will love it more. But what if you say, I want to love Jesus and his kingdom more? Then why don't you go and drop that five thousand dollars into say a rural outreach program in Latin America for example and you know what happens if you drop your money into a rural outreach program in Latin America suddenly you'll want to know how it's going suddenly you'll be interested in it you'll want to get their prayer updates you'll be excited when you hear that someone has come to faith in Jesus You'll be excited to hear that they're standing up in the face of persecution. You'll have joy at people getting converted. You'll want to tell other people about it. Suddenly, my heart is in the rural community of Latin America and the kingdom work going on there. Why? Because I put my money in it. Where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. I think this is super exciting. Do you want to be someone who loves Jesus more? Do you want to be someone who loves his kingdom more? Do you want to be someone who grows in your passion and conviction for the things that God is doing in his world? Put your money into it. If you put your money into it, you will love it more. You can grow your heart more for Christ by letting your money lead because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's true. That, I think, is actually super exciting, super practical, but super exciting. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where should we store up our riches? Not on earth. They'll get destroyed. They'll get wasted, rusted, lost, stolen. Who knows? In heaven, which means not things, but what is valuable in heaven, souls, the glory of Jesus, his praise. How are we going to grow our hearts in that direction? Put our money into those things and our love for it will grow. That's where the transformation will happen. Once we get this, once we get these first few verses, the rest of what we see in this passage falls out quite simply. Verses 22 to 23 talks about the eye being the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, the way to understand this is uh, just pretty simply think of your eye not as a light shining out like some kind of, you know, robot warrior thing with light. No, no, no. Think of it as a lamp with light shining in. Your eye, as it were, is kind of the what will either light you up inside or keep you dark inside. A healthy eye, a healthy lamp, light of your body, will be shining light into you. And a broken lamp eye uh, will keep you in darkness internally. Okay, does that make sense? If the light of your eye is switched on, inside will be lit up. If the light of your eye is switched off, inside will be dark. So what's going to light your eye up in the right way? It's tied to the question of treasure in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you treasure the things of heaven, if you treasure the things of heaven, then the things of heaven will light up your eye. They'll light up your eye. When you hear about that rural mission in Latin America going well, you see that, you read about it, your eyes will light up and that light will flood your body. You'll be a person of the light, people who see the works of the kingdom, people who see Jesus' plans being progressed in the world and who light up at that, as it were, have through their eyes, through that coming in, their whole body lit up. If you treasure the things of earth, if you treasure this world, well, what Jesus says in a spiritual sense is your eyes will be darkened and inside you will be darkened. You might feel excited at the latest sports car or electronic gadget or whatever it is, but Jesus says that's not lighting your eyes up with spiritual light. That's just letting darkness flood into you rather than letting light flood into you. So string it together. If we invest with our money in the things of heaven, we'll love them more. If we love them more, then our eyes will light up more when we see them. And when our eyes light up more with the things of heaven, we become more people of light. It's exciting stuff, isn't it? It makes sense. It kind of makes me want to go and invest in the things of God, which I think is what Jesus wants of us. Verse 24 follows it's the shadow side. You can't serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and money. There was once this great preacher I heard and he said, he was teaching some other preachers, and he said, when you teach the Bible, make sure you put forward to people the impossible application. So what's that? He goes, the impossible application is the one thing that this text cannot mean because I guarantee you a lot of people in the room thinks it does mean that. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let me give you the impossible application. The impossible application is, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I can serve God and wealth, I can do it, I I can love God and I can love all my stuff and all my money. That's the impossible application because Jesus says you cannot. You cannot serve God and wealth. So if a part of us is saying, yes, I can, then Jesus says, no, you can't. You cannot serve God and wealth. You'll either hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. Think about it in terms of a relationship. What if a married person said to their spouse, I love you with all my heart. I want to give myself to you completely. But at the same time, I'm kind of distracted by and interested in other people too. You can't give your heart to two things at the same time. You cannot serve God and wealth. No person wants to be half-loved to be semi-loved by someone while they also love someone else in the same way and so it is with money you cannot love wealth and love god it's stark it's it's clear but it's important to hear please understand in all this it doesn't mean you can't own anything right I don't think that's the picture in the New Testament at all. I don't think the Christians go around saying we divest ourselves of everything and no one owns anything anymore. In fact, uh, that's not helpful because uh, Christians who own things are able to serve others and able to bless others and able to give things to other people. So I don't think the New Testament says you can't own a house, you can't own a car. They're all blessings of God's creation. But, but but we have to frame them rightly. Not just fudge it, but we have to really think about these things well. The first thing we have to think, and again, I think it was in that lovely prayer we prayed earlier, is that all that we have is from God and all that we have is for God. Everything we have is from God and everything we have is for God. So our homes, what are our homes? They're from God and they're for God. My house is a place of service and worship of God. It's in my custody, but it's at his disposal. I use it for hospitality. I use it for rest for me, so I have energy to go out and serve the Lord. And I use it as a place to nurture my children in the faith of Jesus. I wanted to run a function for the Bible College a while ago and uh, there's a big house down the road from ours owned by some uh, lovely Christian people and uh, the question was, um, I said, look, you've got this lovely back area and I'd like to um, have a, a function we can run there and would we be able to use their house? And the person was, well, "It's not our house, it's God's house. You, you can use it, if you need it, you use it. It's not ours to say no, it's ours to say how do we bless and serve? So it's, it's it kind of not even a question. It's an asset of the Christian community that we happen to have the keys for. Mind you, she said that we never lock the door anyway, so just come in if you need it. (laughs) But that's beautiful, isn't it? It's not our house, it's God's house. Same with a car, right? Uh, If People want to borrow our car. uh, The answer is, well, it's not our car, it's God's car. If you need it, then take it. So that's the first thing we do. You can own things, but you have to frame it correctly. And the second thing is you have to hold it loosely. Hold it all very, very loosely. We have to be ready to walk away at any time from our stuff for the cause of Jesus. We had a lovely um, experience of this a little while ago. Uh, We live in Coromandel Valley and uh, a year or two ago, there was one of these extreme or catastrophic bushfire days and uh, the warning for our area is, you know, don't stay there on a day like that because if a fire comes, you won't be able to get out. Uh, so we had um, pre-packed our little suitcase before with a few documents and a few bits and pieces and we we're looking around the house thinking, what do we need to take? What do we need to take? And it was a beautiful moment and it, a real gift from God where we thought, not much. You know, we've got our passport and our driver's licence or some bank statements or something. And it was nice to think, oh, well, if we walk away and it all burns down, that's OK. This is not our treasure. We have a home in heaven that's secure, that can't be burnt to the ground. So it's good to practice just holding it loosely. Holding it loosely. It's hard though, isn't it? Because the idea of letting everything go, of saying it's not mine, it's God's, of not clinging onto it makes us kind of anxious, nervous. Well, what if I did lose my house? What if I did lose my car? What if. What if I couldn't access my bank account and I had no money anymore? Well, not only would I kind of feel like suddenly everything's very insecure, but then what about all the things I enjoy in life? What about all the things that bring me pleasure, that I celebrate, that, that, that I feel are, are rich blessings? It's very quick that anxiety boils up in us. And that is why, of course, verses 25 through to the end of our passage, 34, Jesus addresses this. Because Jesus knows. He knows. And then he calls us, doesn't he, from, again, that verse 25 to 34, don't worry. Don't be anxious. God is looking after you. God is looking after you. Your money's not looking after you. God is looking after you. He gives us two reasons, again, not to be anxious. The first one is this. Life is more than food and clothing. Life is more than material stuff. Ultimately, life is about our relationships. And most importantly, life is about our relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And if we grasp that, that my life is about my relationship with God the Father through the Son by the Spirit then I won't feel the need to cling on to the material stuff so much anymore because it's not what life is about. It's not what's most important. Secondly, though, God knows what we need and he'll provide for us. And there's those lovely examples that I'm sure you know well about the birds, about the lilies, the flowers of the field, uh, being fed, being clothed without any anxiety, without any storing up. Why? Because God cares for them. And guess what? God cares for his people even more than he cares for birds and more than he cares for flowers. God cares even more. God ensures that his people have what they need. God ensures that his people has what they need. Now, how does that work? Because you think, well, hang on. If God cares that his people have what they need, how come... Some of these people are always asking for stuff. Like, why do missionaries overseas keep asking for money if God provides for them what they need? Because that's how God provides for them what they need, through the Christian community, through sisters and brothers giving to them and supporting them. God provides what we need actually in large part through each other, through each other. So how do my friends who up and leave their comfortable and lovely life here in Australia and move to Indonesia to be missionaries with their kids how do they support that well God provides what they need he provides it through people back in Australia sending them money that's how he does it God provides what they need hey how do the staff at my college get paid how does staff money? We don't get the funding that universities get, even though we uh, offer degrees just like universities because of the various rules and structures around that. They get what they need by God's people providing for them, donating to us, giving money so that we can continue to come to work and continue to do our jobs. That's how God's people help others. How do people living in poverty in our city get what they need? People who live on the streets, people who don't have homes, people who don't have jobs. Well, I think the answer should be they get it through God's people. They get it through God's people caring for them and providing for them, looking out for them, blessing them. That's a challenge, but that's how they get it. God uses his people to provide for the needs ...of others. Interestingly though, uh, we know that in some cases... ...our material needs don't come through. We read of horror stories, don't we? Of people having everything stripped away from them... ...and people even dying in poverty. Dying through want. Dying through lack of provision by either the church or by others who might support them. So how has God provided for them? How has God provided for them if he knows what we need, if he provides what we need? Well, he has provided all we need and he has given us all we need. It's just not on earth, it's in heaven. It's not on earth, it's in heaven. You see, as Christian people, we look for the life of the world to come. We look for the life of the world to come. And we know that in eternity we have life. We have forgiveness through the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. We have hope. We have security. And so even if we lose everything in this life, even if we lose our lives, we've lost nothing. If we lose our lives, all we've done is pass through the door to true blessing, to true riches to true security and safety and life and health and peace for eternity. And that's got to be real. That's got to be more than just some words we say in a creed. That's got to be really what we believe. Because if we don't believe that the best things for us are in heaven, if we don't believe that our treasures are in heaven, if we don't believe that that's where we're headed and that's where God's going to give us all we need and all we long for, then our treasures will be on earth then we will be untransformed people. We won't be gospel people, we'll be worldly people. Jesus' people have, his, have their eyes on eternity, not just for their treasure and, and, and for the blessing and uh, seeing other people come to faith and get... But actually for where we want to be, where we will reside forever. And that's got to be real. That's got to be real. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. If my treasure is life and life eternal and life to the fullest, that's not here, that's there. That's what I treasure and that's where my heart is. And that enables me to have hope no matter what goes wrong in this world, no matter how much I might lose, no matter how much I might suffer, no matter even if I give my life for the Lord. And that is in fact why generations of Christians have had the courage to go to places that are hard to go, to do things that are hard to do, to be ready to spend their life, and even yes, to be martyred if that's where it ends up for the Lord, because their treasure's not in this life. Their treasure's in heaven. What do we value? Our money will tell us. Where are our value where are our treasures kept? Well, that's where our heart will go. It's challenging stuff, isn't it? If you don't want to be challenged on a Sunday morning, don't listen to Jesus. <laughs> if you want to be challenged but also excited, listen to Jesus. Because I think this is pretty exciting, even as it's really challenging. I think that's the Christian life together, isn't it? Challenging but exciting. Ultimately, as followers of Jesus, we live through Jesus, we live for Jesus, and we live through His giving, His sacrifice. It's through him giving up everything that we get everything. He's actually modelled it for us already. And he relativizes for us the value of all we have here. He shows us that even the good things that he gives in this world are not the ultimate things. He shows that any cost is worth paying, that heaven might be inherited. He has led the way. He's shown us his passion, he's shown us his commitments, he's shown us his convictions and as his people, we follow him. We give sacrificially to bless others. We set our hearts on eternity. We are prepared to follow him even through death because we are following him into eternal life. And in doing all of that, we set our hearts heavenwards. We set our hearts to where the true riches are, the riches of Christ, that Christ has given us, that Christ has won for us, that Christ has shown us. And as we do that, as we turn ourselves towards him fully, all of ourselves, including our bank balance, including our wallet, including our stuff, as we turn towards him, we become who we were always meant to be. We were always meant to be. Jesus' people living for Jesus' glory now and into that treasured eternity. Let's pray. Father God, the words of Jesus are always challenging and yet also so exciting. Father, we don't want to be people of this world. We don't want to be just like everyone else in what we have and what we value and what we do, with the only difference that there's a kind of PS, we have a heavenly insurance policy. We want to be people who love you, who love what you love, who set our hearts on the things that you care about and whose lives are shaped around the heavenly and eternal future. And we pray that that would drive us to use our money well, to love others well, and to spend ourselves for Jesus, knowing that he has given himself for us already and our future with him is already fixed. How amazing and what a blessing. And we look forward, Father, to being transformed more and more into his likeness as your spirit continues to work in us for his glory. Amen.